Hey, good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Willong Talks episode, uh, podcast episode number seven. Uh, sorry for the delay if you've been waiting for us to come online. We just had a few technical problems this evening, but we managed to smooth that all out, and uh, here we are. So I'm joined by my cohorts as usual, my buddies, uh, Alvin, Big A, the Mac Geek, and Rich, a.k.a. Rich Reviews. Uh, Alvin, say hello. What's up, man? What's up, people? Yo, yo. And Rich, say hello, man. Hello, man. <laughs> How you guys doing, man? How's the week been? Uh, for me, the week's been a bit headachey and stressful, as you know. Okay? Um, it's my boy's it was my boy's birthday uh, a couple couple of weeks ago, so I've just been trying to sort out his party. Um, and so yeah, man, and so just been just running about trying to sort it out, and then trying to do all his tantrums. Mm. So yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> For those of you listening or watching, um, Luca could give a masterclass in how to uh, deliver the perfect tantrum. Um, <laughs> believe me, <laughs> he's an expert. <laughs> Big A, what have you been up to, man? Yo, watching Stranger Things. That was a sick show. Saw that on Saturday. Saw the whole thing. Stay, well, I was only going to watch a few episodes. Seven in the evening, all the way till 2.30 in the morning. I, I didn't regret it. I didn't care. It was fucking... The show's wicked. If you've not seen Stranger Things, check it out on Netflix or via other means if you can. Um, and a oh, Civil War came out on DVD and Blu-ray, um, but I haven't managed to watch it yet. But I've watched some of the extras. And the, the extras are pretty good for once for a, for a Marvel DVD because they went downhill a little bit. But it's a pretty cool two-part documentary on it. But yeah, that's about it, really. Was it out, out officially? Yeah, Civil War did Blu-ray, yeah. What, I got it in the on Monday. Oh, wow. Okay. I unless, it's not, unless it's not supposed to be out until Friday and I just got it early. I mean, I haven't, but on, I mean, I just haven't seen any, any like trailers for it or anything like that. But okay, I'm going to look out for it. Yeah, I believe it's got its official UK release now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's out there to go and buy it, folks. So if you want to go get it, go get it. I strongly recommend you do because um, it's excellent. I haven't actually got around to getting my Blu-ray copy yet, but um, hopefully I'll be sorting that out in the next couple of weeks so we'll get that sorted um, right on today's show uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the era the golden age of entertainment well as far as we're concerned because we're all old um, the golden age of, of entertainment which was the 80s and the 90s um, we had some absolute classics uh, of movies music and TV shows that, that came out during that era that really kind of defined um, what a lot of what we see uh, entertainment-wise today um, and really kind of set a lot of trends for, for where things go, uh, going. So we're going to go through uh, some of our favorites. Um, hopefully you'll have some fun with us while we do it. Um, but first of all, we'll just go through some of the news that's broken quick, uh, recently over the, the past couple of days. Um, we had, uh, today is the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Um, for those of you watching this or, or listening on to the audio uh, recording, you probably know that already anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, it's, it's amazing that it's got to the 50th anniversary and it's still as relevant as it is. Um, we spoke on previous podcasts and we've written on the blog about uh, how much we enjoyed uh, Star Trek Beyond and, and how revitalizing that movie was. Um, so there's plenty of life left in, in the franchise yet, it seems. Um, guys, quick question. Uh, what was your favourite Star Trek show? Alvin? Sorry, favourite Star Trek? Show. Show. 
Oh, show. Uh, you know yeah. what, right? This is a very unpopular p opinion, but like when I was trying to get into Trek, like Enterprise happened, or it was because it was it wasn't it was less confusing because it was the kind of like the beginning of everything. So actually, apart from the theme tune, which I hated, I actually quite liked um, Enterprise. And I remember watching like the whole of the, uh, the every Sunday, I think it was on Channel Four. Uh, in the UK and watching like yeah every episode I didn't miss a single episode of it that's how much I enjoyed it um, but I didn't really catch the later seasons but I liked the first season of that that show I thought it was good for non-trekkies I actually think yeah that's the way to go uh, Enterprise cool cool Rich how about you, how about you? Oh, come on man I'm, listen I'm going to stick with the original Coke mate original Coke not that Diet Coke nonsense not that Coke Zero <laughs> Not Coke with lemon, not cherry Coke, not what's the other one? What's other? What's the other flavor of Coke? Vanilla Coke. Some of those flavors are nice, but you can't beat nothing. No, nothing beats like a, an ice cold original Coke. So like, I'm gonna go with the original series, man. Like Captain, you know, Captain Kirk, um, Mr. Spock, Bones. Like, I, I just think that they they just they just really just got it right, and um, and I think there was something that was missing. From all the shows that came later, that they just managed to perfect in the original series for me. I mean, aside from the fact that I grew up watching the original series of Star Trek, but it wasn't until I got to like my, I think it was like not even my teen, yeah, maybe my teens, yeah, my teen years. That's when the Next Generation came. Next Generation came out, so I did watch that as well, and I did enjoy those shows. But but the original series will always have it for me, man. Um, so I'll probably go in this order. Original series. Um, Deep Space Nine, from I think when the Dominion War started, things just got deep. Hey, 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 hey. you don't need to list things, man. Just stick no, to no, one. No, no, no. Alvin only gave one, so you no, get one. I'm done. I know I like to talk to you. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Trying to play hard and fast with the rules, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I think. Do you know what? I think the next generation. Like, I do like the original series. I, I love the original series. But some of it, for some reason, just feels so horribly dated to me. Um, really, really badly. And I, and I can't look past um, like the way some of it is, is filmed and how some of the effects are. Yes, there's a charm to it. And, you know, obviously I get that they were working to a budget and there was only so much they could do and, and, and so on and so forth. But Next Generation for me just see, just felt like such a step up in terms of um, the quality of the acting, in terms of the quality of the writing, in terms of some of the, the themes that they tackled, the, the fact that they introduced the Borg. Um, and Patrick Stewart, man, Jean-Luc Jean Picard, he was, just, <laughs> he was just a man. So I think for me it would be Next Generation uh, would be the one. All right, um, let's quickly rattle on. Uh, so Sony released uh, some information about a new PlayStation uh, console that is going to be released for home entertainment and for home enjoyment later on this year. Um, I believe there's a slim version and there is a, one that's 4K compatible as well. Um, I didn't follow the news that closely, um, so Alva, I'm going to pass the mic to you. Yeah. Um, was there anything that stood out from that, and is it worth so, even bothering with? Yeah, I mean, you've got the Slim, which is just a Slim PS4 as it is, and literally that's just it. It's just thinner, 
sleeker. That's it. And then you've got the Pro, which everyone was um, originally calling the Neo, which we thought would be like way more powerful and kind of be like uh, the uh, the new Xbox One uh, called the Scorpio, which isn't out until next year. But I'd have however many teraflops of whatever and, you know, bring 4K to the living room and all that kind of business. Uh, and it does bring 4K, but it's just more like the Xbox One S. Uh, and and it's, I think it's like $100 more than the Slim. I don't see the point. Like, literally, nobody's got a 4K TV. So there's no point in buying these kind of upgraded consoles. Um, I mean, I, I don't I don't think I'll bother with the Scorpio when that comes out for the Xbox. But it's it's nothing to kind of get your panties all wet about because it's just like, pfft. so, you know what I mean? It's like you may as well just buy a PC. Just buy, make a good PC, man. You know what I mean? It's like con- I think consoles are on the way out, and I think this is kind of Sony's attempt at trying to stay relevant. And I think Microsoft are aware of it, which is why you've now got the Play Anywhere feature with like downloaded Xbox One games and stuff like that. But it's it's a weird climate gaming at the moment, man. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like there's just a lot that <clears throat> there's a lot of things that the industry is trying to do to keep. Um, excitement and interest going in it and um, whilst you know Sony can definitely point to their sales figures for the the PS4 and say well you know we're we're having success look at this Um, I think yeah there there is a a question about long term like how sustainable is is this model considering the way that the market is going and the fact that mobile gaming just seems to be taking over everything um, and speaking of mobiles, um, Apple launched the, well, they haven't launched it officially yet, but they released information about the, the iPhone 7. Um, I couldn't really see what the big fuss was about, to be honest. And I used to be a big Apple fan, but, um, you know, from what I understand, apart from the Plus model, uh, all the screens are 720p, um, which seems a bit of a weird decision to make considering that every other manufacturer is giving you 1080p on on screens now so uh, I don't know that was weird and the, the earbuds thing I, I saw online somebody described the um, they, they're called ear, uh, airpods they're like wireless Apple earbuds um, somebody online described them as like shower heads and that's exactly what they look like well the worst thing um, is they're taking away the jack the headphone jack there's no head mm. there's an adapter, mm. and it's like, why fucking do that? Why take away mm. a jack? Well, well, that's something they've been trying to do for a long time. Because uh, when you know, when I worked in AV back in the day, um, it, it was something that I said for a long, long time they were trying to do, um, and there was significant pushback from you know manufacturers of headphones and, and things like that because they didn't want the associated costs of having to be tied to, you know, some kind of connector that only Apple were, were patenting, which is the, the lightning connector. Um, now, I think, uh, with a lot of other manufacturers using USB-C and, and, and mini-USBs and things like that um, in, the fo- in the phones, um, it at least makes things a bit easier for, for manufacturers who want to, you know, pre- present a different jack for, you know, the headphones and the speakers and, and things like that to be plugged into. But um, yeah, it was always on the cards. They they've been trying for years to to get rid of um, the, of the old three point five mil jack. I don't know why. It, it's 
great as far as I'm concerned. It does the job. Mm. Um, but yeah, there, there's really this desire to get rid of it. So um, Apple seem to be the ones who are, who are rolling the dice and, and pushing that out. So we'll see, really. We'll see how that goes down with um, Apple fans. Uh, the other bits of news, uh, quickly, we had, oh yeah, they had uh, some preview images for the uh, Jessica Jones comic that's coming out, uh, I believe, in October. Um, so they've released some of the uh, variant covers and things like that that are going to be out. It looks really good. Um, I don't know if either of you two have seen it, but um, I'm no, a big fan of Jessica Jones, of, of the comic book and the TV series. Um, and it looks really exciting, so um, yeah, I'm I'm really interested uh, in what they do with this. Um, Rich, did you manage to see that at all? Well, the Jessica Jones comic. Mm. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't seen that. Uh, I did see the stuff about the new iPhone pop up, but uh, wasn't really my thing. You know, I'm not really an iPhone fan or an Apple fan, so true. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that kind of skimmed me by. Uh, Jessica Jones. I did know that I did know that they were bringing something out. I think I mentioned it last time when I did a thing of like. Uh, you know what's coming out in the next few months. Um, I'm really interested to see where it's going to go. Uh, who, who's the artist? Who's who's the artist for the for the comic book? Do you know? Um, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's uh, David Magno, and um, I've, no. I've actually it's Mac and Bendis. Bendis, you know. Is, is it Mac and Bendis doing the, doing the, doing the book? Yeah, it's because Bendis is writing it again. So I think oh. it's Mac and Bendis. And I think Gados is, is involved as well, um, doing some of the artwork. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I think that's the case. Okay, so, so basically it's just the, it's just the, original, the original people from the, first, from the original one, yeah? From the first yeah, time. pretty much the original team being brought back together. Okay. Again, so, yeah, yeah no, that's cool, that's cool. Cool, cool. Um, and then lastly, we had the breaking news um, that broke earlier this afternoon, which is, um, I'm going to butcher his name, even though I've been practicing it all day to try and get it right, Joe Man Manganiello. Yeah, Joe Manganiello. So basically, the the, <laughs> the guy who was in True Blood, the wolf, <laughs> wolf dude, yeah, he's going to be Deathstroke <laughs> in um, the forthcoming Ben Affleck Batman movie uh, that we still don't have a, a name for yet. Um, and I've read in some reports suggesting that he might pop up in Justice League as well, but I don't know how accurate that is. Um, apparently, this has been kind of rumbling on for a little while, but he himself confirmed it on Twitter today, so uh, it looks like it's a go. Um, guys, you think this is a good news, good casting? Um, yeah, I heard, I heard the film's called Batman. <laughs> um, I like him. I, I like you know what I like about him. I think. Hopefully he's gonna. He he seems to be. He's one thing he's good at. He's good at being a, a physical person. I also know him from like a from Magic Mike and Magic Mike XL. Um, mm -hmm. Because you know, like you know, I think three percent of the time I am gay, so I will watch those films. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, uh, but I I like I I think that he will bring a good physical present to Deathstroke, which is something that was actually done quite well in the in the Arrow TV show until they really like. Kind of sidelined Deathstroke and made him a bit of a, a bit of a pansy, and uh, and you know and this this Joe, let's just call it Joe M because I don't want to butcher his name here, but Joe M, I think he's going to be someone that's going to be able to stand up physically, to uh to to Ben Affleck, and um and not to, and to tell truth like they're both not the most amazing of actors, so it's not like one's going to be able to outshine the other in in acting states. So I, I'm I'm excited to see where they're going to go with him. Cool. Alvin, did you want to add anything? Well, he's been in both universes. He's been in both 
birthday, Marvel and DC, because he was Flash Thompson in uh, in Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but no, yeah, yeah he's he's good. Like I used to, oh God, I can't believe I'm admitting this. I used to watch True Blood, uh, and yeah, he was good in that. You know what I mean? He was one of the better characters. Uh, but I wanted him to be Craven the Hunter. I wanted him to return to Spider Man as an inside different character in like Spider Man Homecoming or something. I have Craven the Hunter hunting Spider Man uh, across New York, New York City. Um, but yeah, no, if he's Deathstroke, I reckon he could be uh, could be pretty cool. Bit of character as well, so yeah, yeah, I'm all yeah. for it. In fact, Adam, that, that's actually a really good shot for him playing Craven the Hunter. Can you imagine just like just cracking, especially like the new Spider Man that we've got with what's his name again, like Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Can you imagine yeah. like, this, this Deathstroke just cracking the new Spider Man in the ribs? Like it would actually, you know, like when Spider Man fought against Craven the Hunter, like he always, even though he was a normal human, although he was kind of enhanced somewhat, like yeah, yeah. it wasn't like this guy was dangerous. Mm. That, that would have. But that would have been interesting to see on screen. That's a good shot for that one, man. Definitely. I think they're missing out of uh, doing Spider-Man villains. Like, they always go for the science-y ones. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the ones with like all the tech suits and all that kind of business. They never yeah. focus on like mutations and that. It's like, well, it's kind of X-Men's kind of territory. So I don't mm. know. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But maybe one day. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Um, well, let's get down to the meat and veg of this podcast. Um, so, as, as I said at the top of the show, to, today's show really is, is kind of looking at our, our childhood and uh, kind of remembering some of the things that, that we loved and how they've kind of influenced uh, the entertainment that everybody kind of enjoys now. Um, so, with that in mind, uh, let's get down to it. Um, guys, we were kind of freshing out this week some uh, ideas for kind of things that, that we could discuss. Um, and one of the things that uh, Richard suggested was we looked at our favorite TV shows, uh, movies, and, and music from the era of the 1980s and the 1990s. Um, now, this is kind of a big, broad thing. So, um, Richard, as you were the, the architect of this, I'm going to dump this on your lap, um, and I'm going to get you to lead <laughs> the charge on this. Um, so, where did you want to start with um, sort of the? Did you want to start with TV shows, movies, or or with music, or we're we just going to yeah. do it free for like jazz? Yeah, we are. No, we we can we can start with the TV shows, and I mean, let's start with TV shows, like TV shows, just because. And and you know what it was? I tell you, I I'll tell you what kind of prompted me for this, and it was after watching Stranger Things, like and, and, and like basically watching Stranger Things. And then I watched like the the first episode of the Get Down, which is also on Netflix, which is a, a a TV series by Baz Luhrmann, and it just and it just reminded me of like like good good shows, good shows that weren't remakes of anything, and I and I and I and I, and I missed that, you know, and um, and so I was like, you know what, like what what's happened to that? Because you you're looking at all these things like remakes, and there doesn't seem to be any form of original story, and everybody just wants a franchise as well. So I said, like, let me let me look back and see, look at the things that made me happy as a kid, like when TV shows were simple. When you could get a TV show about a man and his monkey who drove who drove a truck. You remember shows like that? <laughs> BJ. No, the, and the joke is, hear the joke. The show's called BJ and the Bear. BJ and the Bear, but it's about a man and his monkey. Forget that one of them is called BJ because you know. Oh. Have we lost Richard Is there? Gone? Yeah, it looks like we've lost him, you know. It's <laughs> made, made flow as well. I know. <laughs> you know what it was? He was getting too excited. That was the problem. 
Okay, folks, we're going to try and get um, Richard back. Uh, but in the meantime, um, Alvin, did you want to jump in with anything and any views on uh, sort of that era? Because I know you're not as old as we are, so... Yeah, I'm not as old as you guys, but, well, I may as well just start in it and with the TV shows and then have Richard come back and do his. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not as old as you guys, but luckily for me, repeats on uh, in uh, kind of like, yeah, the turn of the 90s, um, so when it, the 90s began. So for me, like, my early shows that I, like, I latched onto, like live-action shows. Oh, Hello? you're back. Yeah, okay. sorry about that. All right, go on. You're, you're halfway through. Go on, you're saying... Where, where, where did I get to? I don't know. <laughs> BJ, B, the, the, the name BJ. BJ and the bear. BJ and the bear. But it's about a man and his monkey. Bruv, like, come on, like. <laughs> like, like that's, the, that's the best thing ever. Let me turn this camera on. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, so the, and then, then I remember TV shows like The Fall Guy, which was basically, I remember, like, there was this things like, you had these TV shows that were pale limitations of maybe films that might have done really well in the cinema. But it didn't matter, like, it, it just worked on TV. Like, you had, like, the fall guy, which was, like, Lee Majors, who was, like, a, a stunt man by day. And during the nighttime, he was a bounty hunter. Are you guys listening to, to like, like <laughs> to the idea that people had for TV shows back in the day? Like, this it's, it's is amazing. So, um, yeah, so like I said, so after seeing, like, um, like, Stranger Things, it just reminded me that I do kind of miss that kind of innocence of, the, of, of TV shows when, like, I mean, there's there's a there's a clip in in Stranger Things where, um, I mean, this is a bit of a spoiler, but not really a spoiler, where the police officer kind of breaks into like the 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 installation where they're holding this whole secret science experiments, and all he does is just wait for the doctors to walk through the door, and he sneaks into the door. You best believe that wouldn't happen these days, because there's fucking cameras, <laughs> Big Brother everywhere, and all of that nonsense. But but you see what I'm trying to say? Like there was an innocence and a naivety. That I miss from from that period, and uh, and Stranger Things really brought back that nostalgia for me. So um for me, I mean like TV shows, one that would probably epitomise the 80s for me, the A Team. Like you know like come on, like, you guys you guys are fans of the A Team, right? Yeah. Who's your favourite character? It's at the time when I was a kid. It, for me, it was Murdoch, but I also loved BA as well. You was love them all at the end of the day, but yeah, I was more of a Murdoch <laughs> kind of guy. Yeah, Jason. Uh, for me, it was Murdoch, um, BA. Yeah. Uh, and probably Hannibal as well because I liked Hannibal. Okay, cool. No, for me, it was it was Hannibal and Faceman. <laughs> like <laughs> because of the ladies with Faceman, like to get the ladies. Is that what it is? Yeah, of course, man. And he had the red Corvette. Yeah, yeah, the red Corvette. No faster lines in them. They had, you know, the two red lines that go across the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're a kid, remember, if your car has lines in it, that means your car can go faster. It's been proven by scientists. Yeah, yeah. I used to have a chopper bike that had go faster stripes on it. Yeah. And I used to ride that so fast down the hill because I used to live in um, Forest Hill. And um, yeah, there was a major hill that we used to go down and I used to ride the chopper down (laughs) with the go faster. And it had, same as um, Faceman's car, had the two kind of white stripes, go faster stripes on, on either side of it. Yeah. So when he used to see me riding down it, 
So the other kids I used to play with used to call me White Lightning, didn't it? Yeah. So I used to ride down the hill and I was like, White Lightning! White Lightning! <laughs> I've, I've got EP. Listen, me, yeah, and a couple of, and a couple of people in, in, prim- in this moment, infants, we had Go Faster Stripes that we drew ourselves on our fucking trainers. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, that drew stuff. That's commitment, man. It physically made me faster. Scientists approved that as well, <laughs> just to let you know, man. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like you know, like TV shows like The A Team, The Fall Guy, Six Million Dollar Man, like from the eighties. I I just love those type of shows, and they just they just really made me feel happy, like watching them and just seeing you know, uh, the 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 simplicity in it, and but at the same time just keeping you so entertained. So uh, I, th- I think that's that's pretty. Some- oh, and obviously that was the same thing for the nineties, but obviously in, in a slightly different way. Where we had bad fashion, bad dancing, bad haircuts, but yet yeah, everything was just so cool for that period. Um, so I think that's my little introduction to kick it off. So you guys can you guys can take over. Okay. Well, we didn't get you to commit though, man. Again, you're not committing, bro. What do you mean? <laughs> commit to some shows, man. Oh, that's what I'm asking you. <laughs> Okay, okay, alright, okay, alright, then if that's the case, so, okay, so I'll do a show from the 80s, right? Mm. Let me bring my list, that'll make me commit, try to put me on blast on this live, on this live thing, wow. <laughs> <laughs> let me see, let me see, the show I had for the 80s, one that would epitomize the 80s for me, but it wasn't my favourite show, was a show called Terrorhawks, you guys remember that show? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's okay. the puppets. I you remember snippets of it? Yeah, no, it's the puppets. Yeah, it was the, it was the puppets. Hold on, so you remember that show, Alvin, yeah? Uh, vague, vague memories. When I see pictures of it, yeah, yeah I have vague, vague kind of feelings about it. On the real, Alvin, because I know we're older than you, yeah? But yeah. On the, well, are you one of those Africans that has a fake passport? Because you remember <laughs> the shows, bruv, <laughs> that you don't know of the, for the year that you You know what? In. I can remember, like, stuff from when I was extremely young, so yeah, I don't know if it tells you how it's a boring story, but you know when Ghostbusters two came out, yeah, I would have been like four years old. Yeah, I remember seeing the video for "On Our Own" by Bobby Brown. Yeah, on top of the pops, and not realizing that Ghostbusters was live action because to me, it was the real Ghostbusters, which was a cartoon. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I was familiar with. Yeah. And then I see this video, and I can see that they've got proton packs in that. Yeah, and it kind of confused me because I didn't know what it was because yeah. I didn't know there was a Ghostbusters movie and I didn't know there was a Ghostbusters too. It yeah. wasn't until yeah that I then kind of actually no, it wasn't until I saw the first movie that I figured out okay, it's actually a film, and then it wasn't until I actually went abroad that same year that I saw the first movie that I then got the coloring book for Ghostbusters two, mm. and I read that, and then when Ghostbusters two came on TV know this i've got the freaking coloring book like that's mm. what the whole thing confused me but yeah i remember old shit for some reason i just remember old shit for some reason i don't know why juju but okay <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> no in fact you know i'm not i'm not, I'm not going to talk about terror because i'm actually i'm actually going to stick with the a-team i just think it was it was a show that really epitomized the 80s and, and the violence of the 80s but yet there wasn't really any form of like real physical <laughs> violence in it and yeah, I mean, no, nobody. There was no real action violence. It was just kind of shooting the ground, wasn't it? And then, um, well, and well then, the thing, the thing is, actually, only I think one or two episodes 
where you actually see blood. And I remember one of those episodes being an episode where Murdoch gets shot. And you know, I, I, I call, they're called filler in episodes. Where is that on the plane? Like That's on the plane, off. isn't it? I, I couldn't even remember. But basically, like, I remember he gets shot and they just use that. Oh, no, I'm thinking of where he gets blinded. Sorry. I remember the episode. <laughs> but, but, but they used the episode when he gets shot uh, uh, just to use it uh, just, uh, just for flashbacks. So, so it's like it's kind of like a, I read a memory in an article years ago, like, um, like when you make a series, like there's certain episodes that are pivotal to, uh, let's say, an ongoing storyline. And then there's some episodes that are just filler in us, and then there's some episodes which they will use to, to save money. So if you've got an episode that just concentrates on flashbacks, all you've got to do is film the beginning, all you've got to do is film the end, and then you can use the rest of the, the rest of the episode to just, you know, grab scenes from other episodes. And, um, and that was the only time, I think, or one of the only times that you actually see blood, or you see one of the A-team, like, physically, truly get hurt. And uh, But, like, yeah, you've got, like, five years of, of, you know, five years of this TV show of people being blown up, being punched <laughs> in the face, doing all of this stuff, but yet nobody actually got hurt. And and I think that's something that I know. I remember like adults being a bit apprehensive about people about kids watching the eighteen or some some adults when I used to go to some houses. But no, it's too violent and it's this and it's that because you know, as boys and girls who love the show, they might think that we might rap and tumble too much. But like when you look back at it, it was, the show was was completely tame compared mm-hmm. to some stuff that's out there now. Like it's it's like really really tame. But to me, that's that's the show that epitomizes the eighty the eighties for me. That whole Macho, you know, army. Everybody wanted to be in the army or, or the police or the or a fireman. Nobody wanted to be, you know, go on bloody X Factor and be a singer or be a dancer. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we were kind of like conditioned in a, in a way to want to be able to serve your country or to be able to do the right thing. So that, that that's the reason why I love that show for the you know for the 80s and why the why the A team still holds a little special place in my heart. How's that? Okay. Hmm? How's that for committing? Um, no, you've committed. That's good. That's good. That's good. Good start. Let's let's keep that going. Keep that going. <laughs> I'm surprised you only picked one, huh? Uh, no, but the thing is, like, I, I didn't want to choose. I didn't want to choose too many. Like, I mean, I could have gone. I could I could have gone like really really left field. But like, 18 for me is just a show that I just like. I I could watch it now, and like, and and it's good bad 80s TV show. So like, yeah. So let me just choose that, and, and I'll be happy with that. Oh, okay, cool. Fair enough. Um, well, I'll go next. I couldn't really, like, anything like this, it's always hard for me to just pick one. So what I've done is I've written a list. So after I've chewed you out about not picking one, <laughs> I'm not going to pick one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's always hard for me to do these things. So I've, I've actually just written down a list, but I can tell you kind of... Um, Briefly, I'll, I'll keep it brief, Alvin, so you don't have to wait too long. But, um, no worries. Yeah, basically, like, there's a number of shows that, that kind of always stick in my head. Terror Hawks was one of them, although when I thought back about it, actually, Terror Hawks, the only thing that I really remember is that they ate green jelly in it and that they were weird looking puppets. Yeah. Um, aside from that, <laughs> I really can't actually remember, like, the plot or, or anything like that. Um, so the the show the, the earliest show that I can think of well there were two really there was the Incredible Hulk which I mean we could do a whole show just on that by itself so I won't even go that deep on Incredible Hulk um, but there was the Incredible Hulk and there was another show which was called Manimal um, I don't know if you remember it Richard 
Yeah, of course I do, bro. <laughs> yeah? Okay, yeah, yeah. So for those of you listening who, who don't know, um, because there's probably a few of you going, what the fuck, a show called Manimal. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so the show was, uh, I mean, I can't remember the plot exactly. I, I still don't remember how he I can managed tell you the to plot. do this. Oh, you can, yeah? Yeah. Okay, all right, cool. Well, just quickly run through the plot, and then I'll get back to why I, I put Manimal down. Okay, so basically, um, I can't I, mean, I can't tell you exact names, but the main character of Manimal, he's a uh, his father was or, or his father or his line, his, his father, his grandfather, so forth. They were like famous entrepreneurs or businessmen who were also like game hunters, and basically the I think the actual it, the actual being of Manimal wasn't a curse. So what it is is that his father went away to Africa or something like that, and 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 gained the power to change the different animals, and he was meant to use this power to basically to you know to help save the innocent. And then obviously he passes away, and then that basically I think got passed on to the child, uh, who or, or to the next the next person in line, who in, who basically ended up being Manimal for the main TV series. Right. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Like no. That's right. Yeah. That, that actually brings it back to me now. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You know why it stood out to me because as I said it's one of the earliest things that I remember seeing, and um, yeah. I remember seeing one scene where. Um, what was it now? He was uh, he was trapped in a cage. Um, he yeah. was he was he was hunting um, some kind of crooks from a, a crooked circus or something like that, and they trapped yeah. him in a cage. Um, yeah. And I remember he goes through this transformation scene, and the transformation scene was so good, like I literally ran out of the room screaming. I was about uh, I would have been about five or six years old, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been about six years old. I remember running out the room screaming because this transformation was too real to me. <laughs> and I remember my older sister was like, why are you running? Like, why are you running? And I was like, I don't want to see it. He's turning into a monster. Just call me when the transformation's finished. Because <laughs> that was it with me. Like, I always, and it was the same with Incredible Hulk as well. I didn't like to see the transformation, but once the transformation was done, I was cool. Mm. But it was like the the bit where the the body contorted and all of that, all, all of the kind of body horror elements, those kind of things, I hated. Like it, it terrified me. Um, so Manimal always stood out to me because of of that idea that this man would suddenly turn into like a panther or a hawk. Or there was one episode where I remember he turned into a dolphin and was like yeah. swimming like, in the sea and stuff. I don't think it's, like Alvin, you're right to laugh because it sounds like ludicrous now. <laughs> like when you listen to it, like absolutely ludicrous. But I remember just being transfixed by this this idea that this guy could turn into different animals and, and all of that. So, and it's the kind of thing that I just don't think you would get. You know, you you made a good point earlier. You were talking about the naivety of, of that era. Yeah. Like how many audiences in you know how many TV audiences today? would tune in in their numbers to watch a show about a guy who could turn into different animals because yeah. of a curse. Like, <laughs> you know, that, that's going to be like a, a sci-fi's finest that, that only comes on at like 2 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody's tuning in to watch that. Yeah, that was on primetime television. So yeah. it kind of shows you, as said, a little bit of, of the mindset and the naivety of the people. So, so yeah, the Manimal was one. Sorry, I've, no, I've got two things for that show. It is a piece of trivia, like because you know, you know, I I got bad sleeping habits, so this is something I read up years ago. That it, that show was actually cancelled, and the reason why it was cancelled, and this is this can actually add to the reason why you were so scared, is that 
the amount of the amount of special effects, the amount of money that was put into special effects was so high because they wanted to do it properly. Like they weren't actually able to like finance for another season. So it was cancelled after I think it was cancelled after like eight episodes. That's number one. Number two, remember what I said about we were, this is gonna keep on coming up when it comes to eighty shows, right? Remember like the simplicity and the naivety of it. As you said, so Madamal was chasing these criminals, bad guys who have guns, and they capture him and they throw him in a fucking cage. A cage. Who does that? Only villains. <laughs> only villains from the eighties do that, man. I miss eighties TV shows, man. I'm being and, and the thing is, right? The the thing is about that that I remember as well. He turns into a panther. Yeah. And he, um, like when you think about it now, it's like, why would you turn into a panther if you're already in a cage? Like, surely you turn into like a snake. <laughs> Yeah, sliver in between the bars or a lizard. No, he turned into a panther, and yet somehow he manages to escape. Like it's just, it's just like, it's just madness, madness when you when you think about it. And yet, there you go. That's that's the eighties kind of typified, really. So so Manimal was one. But I'll quickly run through um, some others, and then I'll, I'll let Alvin speak. Um, Night Rider was another one for me. Um, I used to love uh, Night Rider with uh, Kit and Michael Knight and the Knight Foundation. And, um, Hasselhoff was just like the king as far as I was concerned um, sorry David Hasselhoff for, for those who are listening who don't know about Knight Rider but um, yeah that's definitely a show to look up if you like your 80s kitsch um, Knight Rider would be perfect and funny enough I think Knight Rider would be perfect for like a remake but like a kind of um, like a R-rated piss take remake I think like that would work beautifully Beautifully, if it's done by the right people and, and it's in the right hands, I think I think there's a lot of mileage in that. But Night Rider was one, and the, the other one was Littlest Hobo because um, it was something me and my big sister used to watch uh, together. We really enjoyed uh, Littlest Hobo. Um, it had a really catchy theme music, which is kind of a theme with me. If the theme music's catchy, then you usually got me. Um, mm. But it was also cool just to see this this dog like just roaming around on adventures. You know, it was a modern modern day version of Lassie um, and yeah it was, it was just really fun really sweet and really innocent and, and as you would say rich naive you know that's what made the Illis Hobo so successful so um, yeah those are the ones for me um, Alvin your turn man tag in Good, uh, firstly I've just seen a, a clip from Manimal where he transformed into a panther and I can understand okay. why you were scared as a kid because it looked fucking weird. You know what I mean? It took one minute and forty-five seconds for him to turn yeah, into yeah, fucking yeah. panther. That was long. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah you both mentioned like a lot of shows that I used to uh, watch. Like the big three for me were uh, The Incredible Hulk, which at the time I didn't know. I didn't know what the fuck Marvel was. You know what I mean? And I fucking love the shit out of that show. Uh, and also the A Team as well. And you also mentioned Knight Rider, uh, but because you didn't say a lot about it, I'm going to go with Knight Rider, because for me, like, I must have been, what, four or five, like, seeing the repeats of that, and just this cool as fuck, sleek, black, awesome looking car, and this white dude with curly hair in a leather jacket about the place and all that, and they're on missions. That's cool as fuck. You know what I mean? It's a it's a car that speaks. You can't get any better than that. And it's just so simple. And as a child, you understand it, you get it. You don't understand that technology is not that advanced and that can't actually be a thing, not even now, technically. But no nah, man, that show, like I've watched back the the pilot episode like last year. 
and it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. It was, but funny for the right reasons, though. Like, there's a bit where these two guys <laughs> are trying to break into Kit and steal him. And like one of them throws a brick at, at, mm. the, uh, at the window, and it and it deflects off Kit and hits a guy back in the head, and it's just yeah. hilariously just glorious, funny moment. And the, all the way through the pilot episode, they're trying to rob Kit all the times, and like it's just a cartoon like kind of thing. But yeah, man, that show, no, nah, it's a quality show, and the remake that they did do in two thousand and eight was just so, such a disappointment because mm. it had the potential to be good. But yeah, Night Rider for me was. Uh, Fuck yeah, and that music always stayed with me as well. But yeah, I need to get like I need to get the seasons on DVD because like fucking hell, quality show. But yeah, Night Rider, loved it, awesome. Introduced me to Hasselhoff, and then obviously watched Baywatch as well. Yeah, no, I, I always remember that scene where they try to um, throw the brick through the window and it bounces off of the window and it hits the guy in the face. And I remember thinking that was just like comedic genius when in my yeah, it was. I was like, oh my god, that's so funny. And it's like, you look at it now and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, really? But um, yeah, no, no, Knight Rider was, was um, yeah, very much a staple um, in the early early days of my TV watching, so. Yeah, that's all good, man. Um, quickly, I wanted to move on, uh, if we, if you don't mind, to touch um, on 90s TV. Because I think all three of us watched a lot of TV in the 90s as well. So yeah. I think we should at least um, give a quick shout out for some 90s TV hits. Um, two, well, there was kind of three shows, really, that I, I wanted to, um, to kind of mention. One was Tailspin. Um, which was the, oh, the Disney yes. cartoon Tailspin um, with uh, characters from the Jungle Book, but kind of set to um, Rich. You remember the um, the old Humphrey Bogart movie, um, The African Queen? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So basically, like you, well, you know Tailspin, don't you? I'm, I'm like, they're explaining it to you, but and like, mm. yeah, not had the characters from the Jungle Book and and from Disney, yeah. Not, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so for those listening and, and, and watching who don't know, I mean, Tailspin is, is, as I said, is basically, it was really ingenious idea. Right? They took um, the characters from the Jungle Book, um, as Richard said, and then kind of married them uh, up to those kind of sort of late 1940s, early 1950s um, sort of jungle exploration movies that, that were really popular around that period. Um, in particular ones that, because uh, I think Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart actually did two of them around that time. Um, and usually, you know, the hero was this kind of grizzled, gruff, grumpy um, old ex-sailor or someone like that who'd been sent on, you know, some mission to go and carry some freight through uh, deepest, darkest Africa. Um, and Jungle Book was, was very much a, a... Sorry, not Jungle Book. Tailspin was an animated version of that featuring uh, the Jungle Book characters. But um, I really loved that show. I, I got into it so much... Um, like I loved uh, Baloo in it. I loved King Louie and the fact that King Louie was like a like a nightclub owner. I loved the fact that like Shere Khan was a businessman, and it was it's just brilliant. Like it was really brilliant. And the animation actually stands up today as well, um, which is not surprising given that it's Disney. But um, you know, it really really stands up, uh, and it has the best film music I've ever heard on the, on the animated Agreed. show ever. Like, just amazing theme music. I mean, and Disney, again, that, that's not a surprise because it's Disney, but 
they, they always do well with that kind of thing. But yeah, just just amazing. So Tailspin for me was was one of the nightly shows. Um, the second one, it was a toss up between these two, and I decided to go with Thundercats. I was thinking about going with Turtles because I was a really big Turtles nut at one point. But um, I went with Thundercats in the end. Um, Thundercats for me was just like again it was another one of those things where my mind was just like blown completely um, I especially loved the, the animation in Thundercats it was like nothing I'd ever seen before um, they married up loads of different styles they, they married up lots of, um, of the American um, styles which had very sort of strong colors and, and, and bright colors and vibrancy and then they matched that with kind of the uh, Japanese style of, of movement and uh, character movement and you know exaggerated jumps and leaps and things like that and then you add into that you know the, the mythology behind it and the weaponry, the sorcery, the villains and you know I, I, I completely got sold on Thundercats so Thundercats for me was um, was the one that kind of just pipped um, Turtles for me um, and the last program uh, I was going to mention was Desmond's um, oh, the Desmond's even more than than those two programs. I think if I had to kind of put it personally, um, Desmond's was the first time I'd ever seen a TV show on primetime TV about people that looked and sounded like me. Um, you know, I grew up in Peckham in in uh, the early nineties. Um, Desmond sort of started around the late 1989 and went on to 1994. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it, it's um, about a, a black family who um, own a barber shop and hair salon, um, and about their kind of daily tribulations. There's uh, the father who um, basically just wants to go back home to Guyana. He's kind of tired of of, of England and English life. Um, there's his wife Shirley, um, who's Jamaican, so they have these kind of slight cultural differences between the two of them, which causes some friction sometimes. Then you have the teenage daughter, who's um, kind of getting into womanhood and is kind of discovering herself and discovering the world. And Desmond is constantly trying to shield her from all of that. And then you've got the teenage son, who's also kind of growing up as well in in that environment. Um, and you know, Peckham in, in that at that time was was very much kind of a melting pot. So the show kind of dealt with um, people from loads of different backgrounds. Uh, they had uh, the the white barber Tony, um, who worked in the store as well, who was a, a local and kind of grew up in the area and knew more about black culture than anybody else did. Um, and it was amazing because I felt like I knew a million Tonys when I was growing up in Beckham because it was just, you know, that that's what it was like. And then you had Matthew, um, you know, the, the Ghanaian student who was a student for God knows how long and always had like but always had some piece of wisdom to, to hand out. Um, and, of course, his friend Porkpie who had his own spin-off show as well for a little while. Um, but Desmond's, yeah, said it was just a really personal show for me because it was at a time when you didn't really see too many black people on uh, TV at all. Um, so to see one about a black family and for it to feel like, you know, like so many families have said that I knew um, and so many elements of, of growing up in sort of southeast London in, in the early 1990s and, and the fashion, the, the culture, the music, the food, um, you know, the heritage of the different people involved and how that plays into it, plus it being a very kind of London-centric show as well and, and so kind of capturing the, the, the feel and the atmosphere of London at the time as well. It was um, 
yeah, it was it was an amazing show. It really was. Um, so yeah, for me that was probably the top show of the nineteen nineties for me was was Desmond. Um, okay, I've talked about that long enough, guys. So um, Alvin, you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, my uh, <laughs> my choices were kind of like shows from the nineties that I used to watch. Um, like <clears throat> I don't know if you ever remember a little show uh, by Jerry Anderson, a uh, live action show that he did called Space Precinct. Yep, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I like. Uh, I was super into Space Precinct. Uh, just, well, even from a technical standpoint, I can still appreciate it now, uh, which is just because they use loads of animatronics. Uh, they used uh, quite a bit of CGI as well, mixed with model work. And they pretty much used every trick in the book to kind of like bring this live action story about this planet and this, the, well, policing this planet uh, to life and all that business. And I even got the uh the issues that were published by manga entertainment that did six comic book issues i think it was six uh and i've, I've got them all still uh and i really really love that show uh and it was just cool it was just cool to see and idris elba's in like one of the early episodes but he's been dubbed over and it's really weird to see because now he's like a mega star and he would never get dubbed over because everyone loves his voice um but yeah that was that that was like a big deal and um, I also used to watch this show on a Saturday on BBC One. Uh, I think it was like after the National Lottery. And it was called Bugs. And it was kind of like an espionage show. But it's really fucking cheesy. Like I didn't realize how cheesy it was at the time. Because everything was like, it was all about technology and that. And like, you know, fucking satellites, this, that, and the other, lasers and all this kind of business. It's like everything just looks like super cheesy and cardboard, cardboard. But yeah, bugs. Like I loved the theme tune. I thought it was really cool at the time. And uh, and yeah, nobody pretty much remembers that show. But I, I was a big fan of it. It wasn't it BBC made. It was yeah. It was. It was a BBC show. The BBC yeah. were, were really at the forefront of that kind of thing. You know, they really were. Like they bugs. I remember really really well. And um, and yeah, they they were always. And this is where I do have to give them credit, whether it's this, whether it's Bugs, whether it was like Spooks um, that, that some people listening to this will be familiar with, um, you know, whether it's any of those types of shows, they're, they're usually always at the, the forefront of it. So they usually, even before it becomes like a big thing, they're dealing with, you know, those issues and, and basing shows around that. But, but yeah, Bugs, I, I remember. I remember it was a lot of fun. It was, it was kind of like a takeoff of... Um, not quite Mission Impossible, but like you know, it was that kind Kinda, of thing. Yeah. There's a lot of, of corporate espionage and... going on. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was more. Yeah, kind I filmed of it. Thing. Filmed in the Isle of Dogs, like which is a place I ended up working it. Mm. I didn't realize until years later that's where they filmed it all. And I was like, I know all the places where. When I watch it back, I know all the places where they're filming, which is really odd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's mad. It's mad. Um, Rich, your nineties choices. Okay, cool. Choice. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do like a little honorary mention, like just come on, kind of coming up um, when you brought up Desmond. But for me, it would be like uh, one of them would be the real McCoy, just for the simple fact that oh shit yeah yeah, and and basically and and it goes back to that thing of what you said, Jason, about watching a TV show where you have people that sound and look like us. Not that we're trying to alienate ourselves from other people. Oh, and just in case the other people don't know who maybe just might be listening to this because. Uh, these podcasts have now been uploaded onto SoundCloud. Guess what? Some of us are black. In fact, all three of us are black. But that doesn't matter. What I'm trying to say is that we come from a here. There was a bit of like segregation, segregation, and but not 
so much, so to speak. I don't want to dwell on it too much. But um, but the real McCoy, it was uh, something similar to Desmond's. And the thing is, is that up until that point, from what I can remember being a kid, uh, especially like there was always that thing of the American dream. So the only thing that we ever had before something like Desmond's or the real McCoy came was the Cosby Show. And because it's in another country and it's a, there's that American dream, there's always that kind of like fantasy type of thing behind it, where it's like maybe it's not something that you'd ever ever get in the UK and you'd have to move to the States to get it. So when something like Desmond's didn't come along, it, it like you said, it, it really, really, like you were able to sit down and, and, just, and just enjoy it. And the other thing that the Desmond's and the Wilmot both did is that it educated, well, I think I'd, I'd like to think they educated quite a lot of people in the UK anyway. Like, I remember going to, like, school and, like, you know, my white friends or, like, my Asian friends would be say like, you know, hey, Rich, you good? And, I, and I, or I'd be like, hey, you know, Michael, you good? And they'd be like, yeah, man. So they'd be doing impressed with the pork pie and stuff like that. But, um, but it was a show that, even though it was black-centric, it, it did also focus a bit on other cultures as well and how, how these cultures should be integrated in a country like this because, you know, we, you know we're, not, we're generally not segregated. We're, you know, we're all the same, we all come from the same place. So, um, so the real McCoy, I like. I, that's one of the reasons why I like that, as the same reason why I like Desmond's. And also, the thing about the real McCoy as well is that it was a stand-up show. It was a half-hour stand-up show that was just dedicated to these black comedians, and and I loved it. They're like you know, and they and they and they educated on history, and they also made you laugh as well. So that's that's an honorary mention that just that just kind of rises the coattails of your of your choice for Desmond's, Jay. Mm-hmm. Um, but for two nineties TV shows, I knew you guys were gonna choose like some so a couple of cartoons and stuff. So I chose I didn't choose one. The first one, yeah, is G South. You guys remember G South? Oh my <laughs> god, dude! When I was ten, that was like for some reason I loved it. We, I have no idea why. Show <laughs> because Paul Gross is just really good, and so is Deepen Baker. <laughs> Them two that show for me, man. Paul Gross and Deepen Baker. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna break it down. For any of you guys that don't know what what G South is, it was probably at its height, probably one. Of, I think it was one of the most watched, if not the most watched, BBC show of that period. That wasn't that wasn't homegrown, if you get my meaning. Mm. So much so that they did a Baywatch, and when the season was actually when the series was cancelled because they actually didn't do too well in America, uh, the BBC put some money behind the show itself to keep it running. Um, and the premise behind the show was about a, a Mountie. Uh, if you don't, if you, some of you guys don't know what Mounties are. I think they're like the equivalent of. I wouldn't say they're the police force in um, in, in Canada, but there's some form. But of they are, yeah. They're the the Royal Mounted Police Force, I think, is what they're. Royal Mounted Police Yeah. And uh, and it's about a guy, what's it, what's his name again? I can't even remember the guy's um um his actual name. Just, you know, I've just drawn a blank as well. Um, I just remember Ethan Baker. I know the actor's name is um, Paul Gross. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've forgotten the, the, his character's name in the show. But yeah, just yeah. Ethan Baker. <laughs> he, comes from, he comes from a family of Mounties, uh, and his father uh, was a Mountie. He was killed, um, I think, killed in New York. And so basically, he gets he gets sent to New York to obviously, or he comes to New York to try and find his his father's killer. And uh, basically, he keeps on getting into trouble with the. And with the with the New York police, uh, and then he and so they assigned this you know tough New York streetwise cop called him um, Vecchio, Ray Vecchio, that's his name, Ray Vecchio, mm-hmm. who was a bit received and you know was like Italian American, so he had a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, Rich, Rich, sorry to stop you mid flow, but um, 
<laughs> I hope you're going to mention the, the Vecchio scandal, you know, because that vexed me. <laughs> but, oh my gosh, I know you talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I know what you're talking about. But if if I don't if I don't bring it up, you, you can you can you can bring it up. And then basically, so it's about it's, it's basically like a imagine lethal weapon with a New York Italian American cop and a um, Canadian Royal Mountie who's original partner who actually is with him there is a is a deaf um, husky called Diefenbaker who understands sign language. Now, I'm going to keep on coming back to this. You see the simplicity yeah. of these shows, but yet how they keep you coming back for more. A Mountie and a cop and a deaf husky who go around New York fighting crime. Why was this so popular? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the intro now. I'm yeah. like, shit, I used to love this. Yeah. You know what? I, I break it down to this. The character that Paul Gross played was, I mean, he's, he's I mean, he, number one, he's a good-looking guy. I remember like my mum watching it and going, like, "Oh, like, you know, he's really, really good-looking." But he played, he played up to the stereotype of a Canadian, but in a very, very good way as well. But he was very, very charming and very, very polite. And I think one of the things he'd always say is that when he, when if you explain something to him, he'd always say, "Understood." You know, like so, like he was always like a, a very, very, he was the perfect gentleman. But the thing that I loved about it was that he was, the thing that he used to pull up, he was almost superhuman, so to speak. I mean, he was like, he was better than Sherlock Holmes. I remember him being, basically being, um, I think being captured once. And the way how he managed to basically got hold of like a, like a, like a cell phone or like some form of phone and, no, not cell phone, like a phone. And he managed to dial with his nose and basically was able to explain to Ray where he was by the smell and by all these other things about the noises, and he was able to find out the figure, figure the code of how to get out the, of the thing because of the touchpads. And uh, he, he made something about the most amount of keys that would have been pressed. Just, like he was just a smart man. But it was those type of things that just kept you entertained. But it was just a really, really good show. And um, I think it lasted something like three or four seasons. And I think halfway through the seasons, they changed the original Ray Vecchio to like a, another Ray Vecchio. And that's, I think, to me, I think there's always there's certain points when a show just kind of loses its traction, and I, I always blame it on that when they change Ray Vecchio to like a, a fake a fake Ray Vecchio who's like some blonde head guy. Um, is that what you were talking about, Jay? The Ray Vecchio scandal. Yep. The yeah. Bloody Callum Keith Rennie, man. He weren't Vecchio. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bloody travesty. How he changed the actor mid-show? Ridiculous. <laughs> and then and then they had this ridiculous episode where clearly like. Um, uh, I forgot his name now. The the Mountie knows that this guy is not like the Ray Vecchio he was dealing with. Yeah. So they make a, so they make a plot thread out of it where he's constantly like, "You're not Ray," and he's like, "Yes, I am. I'm Ray." And he's like, "No, no, no, you're not." And so he spends like the whole episode trying to find Ray. Yeah. And then at the end, he's kind of like, "Oh well, I guess this is Ray now." And I'm like, <laughs> "What? <laughs> it's a lie! It's a lie!" <laughs> God damn it! It's a lie! It's all a lie! <laughs> Benson Fraser, his name was. That's it, Benson Fraser. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I'd like to point out that um, I remember. Do you remember that he was also able to see this time? You know, the show was amazing. So he was able to see the ghost of his father. Do you remember that? And his ghost yes. of his father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his father also had a friend who part who ended up passing away as well. And his ghost, oh, or maybe his ghost wouldn't come, or maybe his 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 father's partner was actually still alive, and was played by um. Leslie no, he Don't was Cor a ghost as well. Was he a ghost as well? Don't, like, but Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think he he die at some point and then he comes back as a ghost as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. 
like the, the show was just a great show. It was just like, just mm. nice, man. It, get, it, make, it makes me feel happy in my, in my tummy when I think of that show, man. Also, so, I'm pretty sure uh, Carrie Ann Moss appeared in it pre-Trinity. She did, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. She did. Yeah, there's quite a few yeah. actors, actually. It said quite a few notable actors who, who passed through that show. So, yeah. Yeah. So, that, so that was the first one. And then the second one was a, was a toss-up between these two, right? It was a toss-up between Beverly Hills 90210, yeah, mm. and Saved by the Bell. I'll go with Saved by the Bell, man. Yeah, Saved by the Bell without <laughs> yeah. Beverly Hills, man. Okay. Beverly Hills is terrible. <laughs> Can I just say, also, Mario Lopez, I'm pretty sure he sold his soul to the devil because he looks like he's still 16 years old. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he sold his soul to the devil a long time ago, man. Long time ago. There's a whole gang of them, and it consists of these are some of the members: Mario Lopez, Angela Bassett, Pharrell Williams. Another <laughs> 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 people age, man. Illuminati. That's what it is. It's like a vampire Illuminati. Yeah, they're 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 bloody coven, mate. That's what it is. Yeah. Coven. And um, yeah, like Saved by the Bell. People that know Saved by the Bell, um. I actually remember watching it when it was first broadcast in the UK and when it started off as an original series called Good Morning Miss Bliss. And I remember watching it at my grandma's, I visited me and my visited grandma's house and she's, she lived in Hounslow. And yeah, and basically Good Morning Miss Bliss was a show that was about this teacher called Miss Bliss and uh, then she, and, you know, and just her being a teacher and having to deal with these children. And, uh, the ch- and I think there were two of the children, one was Screech and one was Zack. And they weren't actually main main characters; they were supporting characters. And I think that lasted for like a, I think a season or half a season or something like that. And then basically they made the spin-off, which kind of took over the show, which was Saved by the Bell, and they changed things up a little bit. And um, I just remember be, first being introduced to—I mean, I remember seeing Good Morning Miss Bliss as a kid, and then seeing Saved by the Bell like a couple of years later. And I remember like literally watching the first episode of Saved by the Bell and going to sleep. And in my dream, I was part of that gang. <laughs> when I, I was besotted. Like I was like, yeah, man. Like this is the one. Like this is this is the one. Yeah, the hot chick Kelly Kapowski. You had you know that you had the rich black chick. You know um, Lisa. You had the geek Screech. You had the jock um, AC Slater. Then obviously you had you know like the all around American square jawed blonde haired blue eyed bad boy, but he's really a good guy. Um, Zach Morris. Like they were the gang that I wanted to be part of, man. Like they they were just so cool. Even when I look back at it now, like they shouldn't be, but they were, and like there's always this, <laughs> there's always the standard episodes of like, hey man, I need to study for my finals. Oh man, I can't get, I can't get any sleep. Or I'll keep falling asleep. Hey, take these pills. They'll help you stay up, and you can like, you know, study for your finals. And that was like a, a drug episode. And then one of them gets addicted to drugs, or one of them gets addicted to smoking. Like there's always these certain types of episodes where they were kind of informative or infomercials. But because they used these characters, they were like, hey. We can talk to like you know to the young ones by using by using this type of show. So and like and even when it was dealing with such a, like a a dangerous or like a, a scary topic, it still felt like really really lighthearted. And like I said, and that just reminds me again of that whole innocence of you know of like you know of you know of those type of shows where it was fairly black and white. Like drugs are bad, simple as that. Whereas like when you watch a, quite a few shows now, not that I'm just you know not that I'm that I'm hating on them. But like, you know, you'll get a TV show or, or a film and, you know, if one of the characters is, is a stoner, it's pretty much like, you know, a God given. Like, you're not going to bat an eyelid, which I don't mind because I think God put it here on this earth 
for you to smoke. Not that I'm admitting that I do that. But I'm <laughs> for this I was going to say, you might want to backtrack out of that really quickly, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so say, you never know who's listening, bro. <laughs> say, say by the bell, um, yeah, I, I just love that show because, like, the fashion, the music, the dancing, um, AC Slater's mullet, you can't even fucking knock that. That mullet was amazing. That mullet had muscles of its own. And um, what else did I really enjoy about it? Oh, yeah, that it gave us um, Jesse Spannell, who was a tall chick, who was played by Elizabeth Berkeley, who went on to Starving Showgirls. Mm-hmm. And Batman. So, so yeah. <laughs> wow, and look where her career has gone ever since, huh? <laughs> okay, cool, man. Um, Alvin, did you give your bit for the 90s? Oh yeah, I did yeah yeah. You did, didn't you? Yeah 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 yeah. Sorry, my bad. No um, you were paying attention. <laughs> no, I've, I've been clock watching in it because we've only got about twenty five minutes left. Oh Jesus. Um, so yeah, we've actually been going on for a bit. <laughs> I didn't realise it. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have to rattle through these pretty quickly now. Um, so we've done TV shows. Uh, we can have a look at movies quickly. Um, movies for me. Uh, God, I would have loved to have done like a whole thing about movies, but as I said, we're pressed for time. So, um, Basically, I couldn't really pick out any films, um, any one film that defined that, that era for me of the 80s or the 90s. So I just kind of put together a list of films that, that came out around sort of mid to late 80s and the early part of the 90s. Um, so the films that I put together was uh, The Lost Boys, um, because it kind of married together kind of the, the things that I liked, which was um, Teenage Rebellion, Vampires, um, you know, it was kind of edgy. Um, it had Jason Patrick in it, who for some reason I really liked. I don't know why. It's, I've watched Wayward Pies recently, and I'm like, why did I like you? But um, <laughs> but I really liked Jason Patrick for some odd reason. Um Oh, and obviously because it had um, the twins in it. Um, what, what were their names again? Edgar and Alan, was it? Yeah, yeah, Edgar, yeah. 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 The, the Frog Brothers. Yes, yes, that's them. Um, so, yeah, Lost Boys was a, was a film that I, I remember really enjoying from the 90s. And it's funny enough, it's something I can still watch now. I, I think I've still got it on DVD as well, actually. Now I look at my DVD shelf in front of me. Yes, I do. Um, and I haven't watched it in some time, but so I might have to do that. But, um, yeah, Lost Boys is definitely a film that um, is up there for me. Uh, What else did I put on the list? Um, Trading Places. Uh, It was a toss-up between Trading Places and Coming to America. Um, I really... It came down to, like, a... a, It was a fag papers difference between the two. But ultimately, I went with Trading Places just because... um, Everybody in it's so good. Everybody is just so good in that movie. Um, and I just don't think there's there's anything like... You know, I look at comedies now, like if, if you look at, for example, um, Get Hard that came out recently, that's kind of like a, a play on trading places, but just isn't a patch on it at all in terms of like the, it's, it, the quality of its humour, the, the skill in the way it's written... Um, the storyline, nothing. Like it just doesn't even come close. Um, and so, coming to America is a movie I love as well, um, and it's so quotable. There's so many good quotable lines from that movie. But I think Trading Places just nicked it for me because of um, the fact that I said the entire cast in it is just so good. 
Um, another one, 48 Hours, another Eddie Murphy movie. Um, absolute classic um, action movie from uh, the mid-80s. Uh, Nick Nolte is grumpy best. Eddie Murphy is quick-witted best. It's just like the, the car chases, the shootouts. James Remar is a villain. Like, come on, man. <laughs> How more 80s can you get than that? Um, and then two slightly left-field choices. Um, La Femme Nikita, uh, which is uh, Luc Besson's uh, debut film from France. Um, that is a really, really good movie. For anybody who hasn't seen that movie before, I would say definitely go and check that out. Um, it's an amazing movie and it still stands up today as well. Um, and the last one, of course, you know, I couldn't let no um, John Woo pass by, um, The Killer. Um, the Killer is just like, well, it's, it's a film, I think, if if I ever die, like, tomorrow or anything like that, I'll, I'll put in the will to bury me with my DVD copy of The Killer, because that's a film I, I just can't do without. Um, Uncle Chow, man, he's, he's my guy, <laughs> like, he's my guy. Um, so yeah, that was my list of 80s movies. Um, Alvin, did you want to run through yours quick? Yeah, uh, so first up, we have The NeverEnding Story. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I, that, you know, I was so close to putting that down as well. That film, like, when I first saw that movie, it kind of fucking scared me a little bit, because the animatronics were a little bit too fucking vicious looking, especially Igmok, the messenger of the nothing, hated yeah. his eyes in the dark, fucking shit me up. Some of the stuff in there, I don't know how the fuck they did it. Obviously, I do know now, but as a kid, I was like, what the fuck is that, and why does it look so real? But yeah, quality film. Uh, all next up would be The Goonies, which is never a film that I owned, but it was a film that I would always watch on TV and enjoy the fuck out of. It would make me want to go on adventures, but I lived in Manchester where there are no adventures, so, you know, screw me, whatever. All I had was this film to enjoy, and that was about it. And... Obviously, I'm going to give you a mention to Ghostbusters because Ghostbusters is the one, but, you know, it's too obvious of a choice. But Short Circuit 2, because I recorded this on TV uh, one time and I just fucking loved it. It wasn't until I got older that I realised some weird things about it, which I'm not going to go into. But I think it's actually quite a heartfelt movie that deals with kind of identity uh, and belonging and stuff like that. But I don't think that many people understand that because on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like a 38%. So nobody gets that it's all about like becoming a citizen of somewhere that you weren't born, perhaps, and stuff like that, and feeling different from everyone else. It's actually quite a deep film, but yeah, Short Circuit too, man. Love it. Yeah, Short Circuit 2 is amazing. I'm sorry. I'm I'm with you 100% on that. Thank um, you. I thought I was going nuts No, no, no. 100%. Short Circuit 2 is amazing. You know why I got 38%? Because people are stupid. That's why it's got yeah, 38%. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's why it's got 38%. Because you people out there are freaking dumb. Short Circuit 2 is, is fantastic. It covers, as you said, everything you, you just mentioned about identity and belonging and, you know, immigration and all issues that are relevant now to, to Americans now, yeah. you know, they were dealing with in Short Circuit 2. Um, and, you know, technology's place in the world and should we fear it or should we embrace it? That, that, that film was ahead of its time. That's that's the reason why it got 38%. <laughs> but that's cool. Um, Richard, do you want to go on, man? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, Good shout on the Goonies. That was actually on my list, um, Alvin. Um, short Circuit. I was never really... I mean, it's a good film for what it is, 
but I was never really a fan of it to tell the truth. Um, like I think my sister liked it and a couple of my other friends liked it, but just didn't really do anything for me. Uh, Lost Boys, yeah, definitely a good shout on that. Who didn't want to be the Frog Brothers? And it, like had it had the Corys in it. Corey Hayman, and Corey Feldman. You can't go. Yeah, that. that's it. <laughs> uh, uh, and Jay, your, your list was like was like ridiculously long. Like, well done to that. Um, my first film, First Bueller's Day Off for the eighties. Like that, that that's just a film. In fact, any film by John Hughes that he's ever done, and I'll be like, yeah, like they they all epitomise the eighties. They like you know they they all spoke from the heart. You know like um. And he was able, and for a grown-ass man, and I mean a proper grown-ass man, who was very able to, I mean, he was very well-versed and able to speak for a, a generation that was maybe two generations below him. Like, if, he, if any of you guys have ever seen A Breakfast Club, yeah. like, or haven't seen A Breakfast Club, go and see it. Like, it's probably one of the best films ever. It's probably one of the films that I wouldn't like to see remade, but if they did, like, I, I, would, I, would, I would go and see it just to see, because... The topics behind it are things that still stand that you know that still stand up now, uh, and I mean like we we probably experienced at least one of the things that one of the characters experiences in that film, uh, just being geeks alone, you know, in, in you know it, you know being being sci-fi fans or being comic book fans and things like that. Um, times are changing, but you know when you when you're growing up and you're a teenager, you're always gonna face the same type of things uh, no matter no matter what country you come from, uh, no matter you know no matter what type of upbringing you come from. When you're a teenager, you're a teenager. Simple as that. But uh, but out of all the Johnny Houston ones, I'm gonna choose Ferris Bueller's Day Off, just because that Matthew Broderick is like so goddamn charming in that man, and, and I wanted to be him, like he he was just the man, like he, and and I and I look back at it now, and this guy went through hell on high water to take a day off, to spend with his best friend, who's absolutely neurotic, and his girlfriend who's absolutely besotted with him, even though he knows that he's gonna be you know graduating to a higher class. So he's probably gonna have to break up with her. So he's a bit douchey anyway. And what does he do? He does nothing throughout the whole day. I remember watching it when I was younger and going like, "Wow, like he took a day off and he did this and he did that." But he doesn't really do anything. But when you break it down, there's the last line that he says at the end of the film where he says something about um, life moves pretty fast. Sometimes you gotta stop and take a look around, otherwise it will pass you by. And to me, it it, it just epitomizes that whole like surfer 80s culture as well that that was kind of like you know in the 80s that i really really loved um the soundtrack behind it was was crazy um mr rooney chasing after ferris bueller was just was just like probably one of the best like chases throughout the whole film to me it's it's almost like the, the, basically mr rooney's trying to catch ferris bueller because he knows that he's taking a day off but he can't prove it so he leaves the school premises got, looking for ferris bueller and it almost becomes this whole cartoon episode. Every time he gets, you know, ever so slightly close to catching him, he just keeps on getting foiled. And it's like Wiley Coyote trying to chase the Roadrunner, or Tom trying to chase, trying to, trying, you know, trying to chase Jerry. Um, and with each time he nearly gets closer and closer, like he just keeps on getting busted or battered or set on fire or getting bitten by dogs. The film is just an amazing film, um, and it's quite heart wrenching and heart touching at certain points, especially when you're dealing with like a you know some of the characters who are surrounding Ferris Bueller, who seems to be this this kid who has his whole life, you know, pretty much well thought out. Um, there's also a couple of cameos from some 80s characters or some 80s actors or actresses. So Christy Christy Swanson's in it. She's uh, one. She plays like a brief cameo, like in one of the classes. She was the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the the 90s film which came out. 
And also, you've also got um, Jennifer Grey playing Ferris Bueller's sister. She was Baby in Dirty Dancing, which is another one of like my favourite films. And then you've also got that famous, famous cameo of Charlie Sheen, which, when you look back at it now, is it's Charlie Sheen. It's, I think, uh, what's, the, what's the correct way? Is it art imitating life? Because he just plays this drugged up guy in, in like a... In, the, in like a police station who meets Ferris Bueller's sister and basically manage, manages to, you know, to talk her around to, to leave her brother alone. But uh, Ferris Bueller is a film that really, really epitomises the 80s for me. Another one would be Beverly Hills Cop, just because it was the first time that I'd seen like a, an 80s cop film with a black character like Eddie Murphy. So, you'd, I mean, you'd have your films like In the Heat of the Night, which wasn't said in the 80s, or, but... They were very much black. Black cops are always very much played very, very straight laced. Whereas, like, you had Eddie Murphy, who was he was this streetwise guy, and he was just cool, and he wore trainers, and he wore like a, you know that that little baseball jacket with the Letterman jacket, and he had an afro, and he, and he swore, and he was just he was just cool, and he had his own theme tune, which was then released in the charts and went to number one in the UK. So I just thought that Eddie Murphy's Axel Foley was just like was just the man. So those are the two shows that I would choose for. The, you know, for the 80s, or two films that I'll choose for the 80s, and for the 90s, I don't think I actually even chose anything, so uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to cut my, my rant there. That's cool, no worries, man, we're running low on time anyway, so <laughs> you probably just saved us for <laughs> running over, so that's cool, that's cool. Um, well, yeah, hopefully there's a few suggestions that we put out there for you, for those of you uh, watching or listening. Um, I will, what I will do is um, if you guys send me uh, the names of the stuff that you've um, put down, um, what I'll do is I'll try and put up a list uh, somewhere. In fact, I'll do it on our blog. So um, if you go to our uh, blog or our website, moolongtalks.com, um, what I'll do is I'll actually collate a list of the things that, that we've put together so you can find them, find out more about them, and um, hopefully watch a few of them and, and get involved with it. Um, we did have a, a section about uh, music to talk about and music that had inspired us, but I think we're running so low on time now, we're literally just going to have to rinse through that real quick, um, which is a shame because music is one of my passions and I love talking about music. Um, but we'll just have to rattle through it really, really quickly. Um, so for music, for me, um, I didn't actually pick any music that... Oh, no, no, I picked one song, one song which is related to... Um, a movie or TV show from the era. Um, so I picked uh, Bobby Brown, Take Control, which, um, Alvin, you mentioned earlier. Um, that was at the height of my Bobby Brown period, so that was when I had the lean fade haircut. Um, I used to wear, like, the baggy trousers with um, cuffs at the bottom. Um, I used to wear, like, shoes. Do you remember um, Bally Shoes, Richard? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were kind of suede. Um, with like two laces that, that went across the top um, and they had yeah. like a black rubber grip at the, at the bottom. So I used to wear those and um, my baggy trousers with cuffs, um, with cuffed ankles at, at the bottom because I wanted to look like Bobby Brown did in all of his videos where he used to wear like the suits and, and stuff like that. And so I had the lean fade as well, so I used to always go to the barber. And the lean fade, for those who don't know, is basically when um, you grow out your, your afro hair um, you get your hair faded around the edges 
uh, and then he cuts like um, like a lean shape into your head, like a triangle almost, <laughs> and then it goes at an angle from one side to another. <laughs> That's cool. That was basically that what I had. I know, I know. These these kids are bringing it all back, man, oh, and I'm yeah. like. I'm so confused now. <laughs> everything's coming back. Like they brought back that. They brought back Patrick Ewing trainers. They've brought back all of this kind of stuff. And I'm like, wow. Like I should have kept my shit because <laughs> I wouldn't be rich right now. But yeah, there you go. But, um, yeah. So Bobby Brown take control was was um, was a song that I loved because it was um, not only was it on the Ghostbusters soundtrack. And not only did the video have like loads of cameos in it that I was like, oh my god, that's like uh, Iman and there's Donald Trump and there's this and there's that. Um, but also because uh, I said I was going through my Bobby Brown phase and Bobby Brown's um, album uh, that that song was featured on was actually the first uh, piece of music that I ever bought for myself. Um, it was one that I bought from Woolworths. Uh, for any British listeners, they don't know what Woolworths is. <laughs> I bought it from Woolworths on tape for like 90 Gosh, years. the memories. Yeah, I think it was. And um, yeah, I used to play it on my little tape deck and, and try and do all the dance steps that he did. So yeah, that was, that was the track for me, man. And the other track that I will mention as well is um, not movie related, but it's uh, by Tina Marie called Square Biz. Um, Partly because it was a song that would always play at like family get-togethers and um, family do's and stuff like that. Um, my aunts and that would all do like the electric slide and things like that to that tune. Um, and also because I remember when I watched the video on um, Rock Around the Clock, which was like the early 80s version of MTV, basically kids, for those of you listening who don't know. Um, when I saw the video, I was just amazed because I was like, wait. Where's the big black woman who sings this song? So when I saw this tiny little white woman singing, belting out this tune, and then not just belting it out, but doing the rap verse herself as well, I was like, what? <laughs> that, Tina Marie had just like so much soul. It was crazy, crazy. And then Rick James went and destroyed her, didn't he? But anyway, I'm ranting. <laughs> so that's my song's done. So um, Rich, did you have a, a tune or particular tunes that you wanted to mention quickly? Uh, Axel F, which was the Axel Foley's theme tune from Beverly Hills Cop, I just thought it was it was just like basically it was, it was just like this guy who just had like a Yamaha keyboard in in in, in his back room and just I just found this tune and just played it and just played it basically repeatedly over and over. <laughs> um, but it, it was just so cool, like it, it just I think it just epitomised the character that 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 Eddie Murphy played. So there was there was that track. There was another track that I had as well, which I really, really can't remember. So um, you can actually go to Alvin, and if it does pop up and we've got enough time, then I'll bring it up. But yeah, but Axel Foley, Axel F, which is Axel Foley's theme tune from Beverly Hills Cop, that'd definitely be one of the one of the tracks that just epitomizes the 80s for me. Cool, cool. Alvin, um, did you have a specific track that you wanted to mention? Yeah, so for me, I'm going to select something from the 90s. So pretty much anything by MC Hammer, because when I was a little kid, MC Hammer was fucking cool as fuck to me. So whether that's You Can't Touch This or Pray or that song that he did for the Adams Family soundtrack. Yeah, I remember that. MC Hammer was the shit. Because <laughs> like, when you're a little kid and you've had like a can of Coke, or should I say Panda Pop, and uh, a bag of Space Raiders, uh, and you're full of energy, there's nothing better than fucking dancing to MC Hammer and doing the running man. <laughs> 
I remember that the, um, you, you must remember this as well, Alvin and Richard, uh, the um, movie that he came out with, uh, Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. I've seen that, I think, once, though. Yeah, I had it on VHS. Um, I think it, I remember it being shown on Channel 4, I think it was, Rich. I've this is the one where, that. isn't there a death in, in the hood somewhere or something yeah. like that? Yeah. There's a whole funeral and all that. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the most implausible bloody, like, crime film you've ever seen, where, like, skinny MC Hammer was able to... I, I specifically remember one scene in um, a boxing ring where he goes to confront the um, one of the, the the warring gangs who's responsible for like the death of, of this person. I can't remember who the person actually is now, but um, you know they're they're in the king and they're in the, the sorry in the ring, and um, he kind of strides into the ring and he's like and he walks through the ropes and he's getting up in this guy's face and he's a good like three inches shorter than the guy whose face is getting up in. And you're looking at it and you're just like, you ain't backing up nobody, man. Like, you ain't backing up nobody. Like, who are you fooling? <laughs> this, is, this is not believable. But then at the same time to me, I was like, I don't care, Simsy Hammer. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that well. Yeah, I do remember that well. Well, here's one for you. Because um, I don't obviously you guys must remember. It was the remember the MC Hammer and um, Vanilla Ice beef that that was happening in the nineties. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah. Oh, uh, you guys remember that when I do. Yeah. His film Vanilla Ice came out of his film. Hmm. What's called what's called um Cold as yeah, Ice. I've never seen that Vanilla Ice. Cold as Ice. Yeah, listen, it was, it was listen. Yeah, you're not missing anything. It's, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> the MC Hammer film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, d I don't know why they were beefing because both of their films are bloody shit, so I don't know why, but... I wonder who's got the most money now out of both of them. Um, from, from, from what I can remember, I, I think that Vanilla Ice actually, he owns quite a successful renovating company, and he also does quite a lot of charity. He had his own, he had his own TV show, or he might even still have it now. Um, so he was doing alright for himself. And, um, and I think Hammer was a, became a pastor. Yeah, mm. yeah. Became a preacher. He did, yeah. He became a preacher. Yeah, yeah and then um, and I think he was. He's in fact, he's he's an entrepreneur, and I'm sure he's been doing some entrepreneur work. Like, obviously, not like it in like it in the spotlight, but with somebody else for quite a few years. I can't remember who it was, but I remember just popping up somewhere, and I was like, oh wow, okay, well, good on him, man. So yeah. But, um, I just yeah. remember his cartoon, man. Yeah. Oh God. And I'm fucking talking shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't remind me, man. Jesus. Oh, okay. I quite enjoyed it. I think. <laughs> you know, Alvin. I think that's a good place to stop. Because <laughs> like, really, time, I don't now. want to. Have to get into, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to have to get into the talking uh. shoes, man. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've we've covered it, guys. So um, yeah, we've we've given the audience a lot to think about. So for all of you who are watching or listening to the audio broadcast on SoundCloud, um, as said, uh, what I'll do is I'll put up um, a list of everything that, that we've covered here because there is quite a lot. Um, so if there's anything you haven't heard of or you're hearing of for the first time and in the podcast, um, then if you go to the blog, um, I'll have a blog post up in a couple of days and you'll be able to um, check out the, the things we've been talking about and as I said, you can kind of make your own decisions. Um, also, if you want to let us know what you think uh, about the 80s or the 90s or if you had any specific memories or things that you loved and you grew up with that we didn't cover, 
um, let us know. You can always drop us an email. Um, our email is wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can holler at us at social media as well. We'll go through the social media links and things um, just before we end. Um, but before we wrap up for tonight, let me uh, do a couple of quick shout-outs. Um, I wanted to say uh, a big thank you to uh, a new fan and a new listener. Uh, well, he's not new, really. He's been listening for a little while. But... Um, Dean, I wanted to say a big up to you, man. Uh, thanks a lot for your support. Um, thanks a lot for your encouragement and for the art that you keep coming with as well. Um, we're definitely going to start using some of that artwork on, on the website, so keep an eye out for that. Um, but I'll let you know when we, we get to the point where we're actually uploading everything uh, with that as well. So, Dean, big yourself up. Um, I wanted to also say a quick shout-out to the, the guys uh, from the Two Uncool podcast. Uh, Dean and Massey, um, the, the the podcast is just brilliant, man. You you guys have got to listen to it. Uh, it's called Two Uncle Podcast. Um, it's really really funny. Um, two really really <laughs> funny but intelligent guys. Um, so you know it's it, it's a real good blast. And again, they've been real good supporters of us as well. So um, check them out. Just type in Two Uncle Podcast into Google, and you will find them. Um, and yeah, that's about it for me, I think. Um, what I'll do also is give a quick recommendation as well. Uh, if anybody has been watching Narcos um, or Narcos Season 1 and Season 2 has started and it is brilliant. It is just as gripping as the first season was. Um, I was a bit sceptical as to how they were going to carry this thing on because I'm quite a fan of... Uh, well, not a fan, but... I'm quite interested in the history of, of um, Pablo Escobar and how his history is tied into Colombia and to the drug trade and how the country's developed and so on. Um, but I'm about on the seventh episode now um, and things are getting very, very intense. Um, so yeah, if you like your kind of your tense kind of criminal uh, crime dramas, gripping dramas, complex characters and things like that, then Narcos is, is definitely the one to watch. Uh, and the main actor in it is absolutely amazing, um, Wagner Mora. He's, he's fantastic as, as Pablo Escobar. So definitely check that out. Um, Rich, did you want to give a quick shout out and plug anything as well quickly? Uh, haven't really got any shout out to all you guys listening and, and for backing us. Uh, keep on showing us love and we'll keep on delivering it back. Um, recommendations, listen man, literally, seriously, honest to God, if you haven't watched Stranger Things yet, go and watch <laughs> it. That's number one. If you haven't watched Get Down yet, go and watch it. September's going to be a busy month if you, if you haven't watched it because you've got Luke Cage coming at the end of this, uh, the end of this month. So... I've got those three for you guys to go and watch. Literally, Stranger Things, The Get Down, and Luke Cage at the end of this month, and Narcos as well, which uh, I've only seen the first season. So, um, yeah, literally, guys, whoever, whoever's listening, just, just if you listen to anything I say tonight, listen to that. Cool, thank you. And Alvin, did you want to um, recommend anything or uh, anything more? Yeah, just echoing what Richard said about fucking Stranger Things. Like, fucking, literally, it's got the most perfect 80s hair in it that I've ever seen in a TV show that wasn't made in the 80s. It's, like, literally just perfect. Just fucking watch it. Okay. There you have it, folks. Just fucking watch it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for us, man. Um, thanks a lot, as uh, Richard said, for uh, listening and watching, if you're watching on YouTube. Um, to those of you who, who keep tuning in every time we do these things, thanks a lot for your support. Please keep it coming because the, the, the more you keep it coming, the more we'll keep doing this and the better we'll get at it as well. Um, just to let you all know as well, we do have a few interviews lined up um, for the next couple of podcasts. Um, we will give some more information on, on that when time comes, but it's very, very exciting, so we're looking forward to that. Um, and if you want to interact with us on social media, um, you can check us out on Twitter at Wulong Talks um, and Instagram at Wulong Talks as well. Um, Al, if you want to quickly give them your social media details? Yep. So on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, my handle is at BigA85GL. Cool. Um, Rich? Uh, Instagram, you can find me, uh, Rich Reviews. Uh, Twitter, Rich Reviews. Wulong Talks uh, for the Instagram. And obviously the same thing for, for, the, for the blog or the website as well. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Um, it's been a nice walk down memory lane, man. Um, I definitely feel, like, ridiculously old right now, so I think I need to end this podcast to go and have a cup of tea and put on my slippers and <laughs> so down for bed. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, thanks a lot for tuning in, and we'll check you. See you later, guys. See you later. Bye. Yeah.